Check, check. Check on the participant microphone. Chrysanthemum. <laughs> Chrysanthemum. Sure. I, I pre-recorded my entire part. <laughs> I actually pre-recorded all of this. <laughs> this is kind of like one of uh, my DJ sets. So it looks like I'm actually mixing songs up there. I just hit play on a previously recorded mix. <laughs> so we're doing a little bit of a soft opening here, guys. Uh, just yeah, get everybody warmed up and all. So we have a couple of icebreaker questions. Where did y'all hide your drugs on the way in? Anybody want to come up and answer that question? Just joking. This is not going to be in the show, by the <laughs> way. Like, this yeah. is just an icebreaker question, so don't Everyone. worry about that shit. <laughs> All right, so we should probably roll into the show here. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Cue the intro music, post production. Okay. This is Entheogen. I'm Joe. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brad. Wow, we, we switched it up for this one, guys. Yeah. All right. It's a whole new world. Today is Thursday, August 30th, 2018, and we are recording this episode live at Burning Man. We are very, very grateful to be hosted by Dementha After Dark. Uh, we are on the B Keyhole Plaza uh, for the first time as a camp, and uh, I think this is a nice upgrade for us, and uh, it's a great opportunity for the show to be here at recording live at Burning Man. Thank you all for being here. So yeah, I think uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the origin of Entheogen, which started right here about four years ago. Uh, Brad and I went to a talk uh, across the across the playa and we came back and we were really excited and brad was like we've got to do something i I have a different memory of this i remember you guys coming back and being really enthused about this talk and i missed it Mm -hmm. and the three of us started talking and we were just shooting the shit for like 30 minutes and then someone walked by and was like you guys should make a podcast Hmm. and i don't remember who that was well, actually, the podcast was my idea, technically. Was it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the, guy, the guy who currently I was, hosts I was, the podcast yeah. has a little experience. Oh, really? For it. Well, I do I, remember that part. Yeah. Well, Joe and I came back. So it was the, the talk hosted by uh, Mariana Dinkova, who we've had the uh, honor of hosting on a previous episode since then. Uh, and we were just very inspired by this talk. And as you know, we came back and, and we're talking more with Kevin and sharing, we just sort of observed how much we enjoy uh, engaging in conversation on this topic. Uh, and with the three of us living, you know, different time zones across the world, um, West Coast, East Coast, Europe. Yeah, th- this is actually very strange for us because we're ne- the three of us are never in the same place at the same time. So we're always recording. Like when I'm in Spain, Brad's in San Francisco and Joe's in Connecticut. So we're always like recording at like nine o'clock, nine o'clock at night for me on a Sunday, and it's like twelve o'clock in the morning for Brad and three for Joe. Yeah, that's pretty so, weird. So being in the same place at the same time is pretty trippy. And yet we're, we're all we're, we're all we're, drinking at the same time. <laughs> this Guinness is delicious, by the way. I think for me, like we were excited. I was excited about the idea of a show. I was also excited just to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you guys, like once every month or once uh, once or twice a month, because I think it's really provided us a forum to to be closer and to, to, yeah, to chat a bit more right on so that's the origin of entheogen um today's topic of course very topical being that we're here at burning man we thought we would talk a little bit about burning man and get a lot of audience participation hopefully you guys have some things to share about your burns and your experience here um for the newbies for the people who've been to several burns before i think uh, it's important to mention that the reason we wanted to do this is because uh we've talked a fair bit about burning man on the show and uh, there are, are a lot of people who listen to the show who don't know anything about burning man um, so they, they've had our perspective a few times, but we thought getting a lot of people involved would get kind of a lot of different voices in there and a lot of different ideas, and that might uh, help clarify things for people. Absolutely. Um, so uh, one of the first questions we have that we hope you can all ruminate on and maybe share some experiences, um, we wanted to know what the most Burning Man thing, what was the most Burning Man thing that has happened to you so far this week? So that'll give people a good idea, you know, the people at home who may not have been to Burning Man, uh, an idea of what Burning Man is like. And to kick it off, I had a very Burning Man thing happen to me a couple of days ago. Um, I've been volunteering for the Zendo project for a few years now, 
and I was over at the training at the... Uh, Do you want to explain what Zendo is quickly? Yeah, so Zendo is the psychedelic harm reduction um, uh, sort of project of MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And what they do is they provide peer-to-peer -peer counseling services for people who are having difficult psychedelic experiences and just difficult experiences at Burning Man in general. Um, and so we... And, and other festivals. And, and many festivals, right. Um, and so uh, we had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Sarah Gale, the director of the Zendo Project on the show a couple years ago. She mentioned the Zendo Project and uh, I suggested I would volunteer and I, I ended up following through with that. I um, was a little nervous about doing it because I don't have a background in therapy, but it's just, it's the kind of thing where you just kind of show up. He and does come from a family with three sisters, though, so like right. his, his therapy skills are pretty fine too. I have, I have some practice. Um, so uh, I was over there at the, um, the Foam Dome uh, hosted by Dr. Bronner's. Uh, this year it's called Foam Against the Machine. I think a very uh, appropriate uh, title for their camp. Um, and we were doing the Zendo training. So after the training, um, I noticed a, a, a guy who looked shorter than I expected. Um, uh, but still Can we strike that from the record just in case there's any <laughs> hope he'll he ever listens. come on this show? Um, and uh, I said, I think that's Tim Ferriss. And uh, my wife, Ashley, said, uh, go talk to him. So I, I ran after him and I said, Tim, Tim. Uh, and I said, I just thanked him for having a great podcast. Um, I said, uh, you know, thanks for all your great work interviewing awesome guests. Um, and thanks so much for your uh, contribution to MAPS. He's donated tens of thousands of dollars to MAPS and to the Zendo Project in particular. Um, and so I just thanked him for his generous support of the, this really important research. Um, and I told him, of course, I really liked his podcast. And I said, I, I also have a podcast. Um, and I kind of pointed to my shirt here, my Enthugen shirt. Joe's been wearing that T-shirt for six days. <laughs> it's been breathed on by Tim Ferriss. So I'm never <laughs> taking it off. So he actually said, uh, oh, I really like your shirt. And I said, I'll, I'm going to get you one. So that's, that's my mission here at Burning Man is to get Tim Ferriss one of our, one of our new, newly minted Enthugen shirts. So that is my most Burning Man experience so far uh, this week. I think my most Burning Man experience uh, happened to me last night, this week. Uh, a bunch of us were out at the uh, Sunrise Tycho set, and uh, one of our campmates who's over there, half comatose right now, he uh, he just like he said something quickly to his wife, and I was like, what's going on here? And then they disappeared, and then uh, we turned around a few minutes later, and they were just making grilled cheese. Oh, that, that was convenient. They were, he was just they were just making grilled cheese for like everybody around them on the playa like in the middle of the dust like out at the extreme far end of Burning Man while like all these people are out there partying for sunrise set so it's one of those things that in and of itself is really cool but it's also just like it's kind of the community aspect that I like I, I love the way people here try to surprise each other with really cool things all the time and uh, I don't know, it's just really nice. Like you've been out all night and then all of a sudden you have like a warm grilled cheese in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's all about the, doing the most improbable thing at the most opportune time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. I would say uh, for the first time this year, I took advantage of BRC3PO, uh, the post office here on the playa. And I mailed a postcard to my fiance who couldn't be here this year. Um, and I'm really looking forward to her eventually receiving that in the mail and it's, uh, it's been a way that it's been helping me missing her here and have a way to kind of connect with her in my own way. And the way it works is they'll pay for your postage to mail anything, uh, but you have to do something. And so I kind of went there offering to do whatever it is that they would ask me to do with no idea of what they would ask me to do. And in kind of a not so atypical burner fashion, what they asked me to do was to choose from two things. Either in addition to writing a postcard uh, to uh, to my fiance, to also write a postcard to my future self, or write a postcard that they would deliver to Temple of something that I would want to let go of. Wow! Oh wow! It's a cool Very idea. Cool. Yeah. So, I chose to send a postcard to my future self to remind myself of a conversation that I had with uh, a new a new someone new who I met. I try to avoid using the word stranger when I'm here, uh, but his name is Randy, uh, and we were chatting one day uh, during the party and had a very like mundane conversation about what it means to be a good manager. 
It's like, nice. it's exciting. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Now, now people will really want to come to Burning Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's what I chose to write to myself, to remind myself. Um, of this. <laughs> All right. So, so what does it mean to be a good manager? Oh God. Um. Well. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think for me, it's just. What I try to do, and this is something that I've learned in my experience camping with Dementha, uh, in the sense that uh, I've learned a ton camping with this camp from the engineers and the architects and the designers and the people who work here. Um, and what I've learned about myself over the past eight years is that something that I think I've been able to find my own voice with and bring to this camp is an ability to lead people and to lead projects. So I really take a lot of pride in the build and being able to empower people to know what they need to do and to lead others. And over the past you know, several years, this has been something that I've been able to fold into my uh, professional life in the default world. And uh, in, you know, sort of the flipping the paradigm of trying to find your purpose and not your passion. I don't think I ever, at an earlier point in my life, thought I would be passionate about being a manager. Um, but it's something that I, I think I found a purpose in and I'm discovering a passion for it. Um, and so it was cool to talk to Randy about it and to get his perspective. And I was asking him about, you know, positive managers that he's had and and uh, what they meant to him. Um, so, like I said, it, it seemed like a really s silly mundane conversation, but uh, it, it really stuck with me. Nice. Well, Burning Man's getting too big anyway, so I'm glad you're kind of keeping the mundane the <laughs> aspect there to keep keep people disinterested. Drawbridge mentality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, just to put it out to the uh, those of you who've graced us with your presence here tonight, um, would anyone like to share the most Burning Man thing that's happened to you this week? Or we can open it up to past burns as well. Everyone's clamoring for the mic right now. Let's yeah. see. Can we? Maybe by show of hand. Okay, cool. Oh. Can we pass the microphone back to, to Officer the, To Maloney? that police officer back there in the, the last row? <laughs> Narc. <laughs> Hello. 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 Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first th thought that came to mind was the other day, I was going to a talk and when we got there it was super crowded and I was feeling a little claustrophobic so I thought I'd just continue walking down the street and I saw a Black Rock City library. Uh, lending library where they lend you books out for one year and bring them back. We're going from managers to the library. This is just <laughs> fucking thrilling. But when you say your most Burning Man moment, I like to describe Burning Man to uh, people who haven't been more as Black Rock City because mm -hmm. I think of it, the fact that there's 70,000 people here and you can get lost here finding cool culture, performances, things, you know, playful ways to interact with strangers. Uh, as you would in any progressive metropolis around the, the world. So it's, it's nice to, to stumble upon those things. And when you can come to things and realize, oh, this does add value out here mm -hmm. because it's just nice yeah. to stroll through and see books because your mind is so stimulated and being inspired and you can find stuff and you can talk with people who geek out on books. And uh, that was my example. Awesome. So that's how it's not like a real city? <laughs> so people get excited about books? Yeah, it's also, I think it's interesting too, the Black Rock City Library, it's like, you know, you're only here for a week, so what can you read? But the books are actually due back the next year, yeah. which is pretty cool. That's awesome. And I appreciate that was the thing that came to mind for you, who, someone who works in a bookstore, yet still uses their library card. <laughs> Have you ever been to a library on weed? <laughs> can we keep it topical here, guys? <laughs> Anybody else? So I, I've, I'm pretty sure most people have heard of the Playa Provides uh, euphemism a lot of people use out La here. Last time you used finger quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be cut off. <laughs> um, and so two days ago we were uh, heading down one of the back streets. I think it was over on 6 and B. And uh, Sabrina over here was like, I really want to pickle back. Which is like a random thing to want, right? What is a pickleback? 
Do you want to tell them what a pickleback is? A shot of whiskey followed by a shot of pickle juice. Oh. They're delicious. Which I think is a funny thing to crave, but anyway. I kid you not, the next block was the pickleback camp. I shit you not. (laughs) I'm like, what the hell? And right after that, I was like, okay, the playa provides. And then shortly after that, um, I turned to Kevin and I was like, oh, I haven't been to center camp yet. I really want to read the BRC weekly. And a woman right then was like, hey, you want the BRC weekly? And she didn't even hear me say that. She just handed it to me. I was like, wow. So it was two Flyer Provides moments in like 30 seconds. That's awesome. That's great. Very cool. The most burning man thing that happened to me this week was definitely um, having a campmate hold my bunny suit while I get naked to go take a shit in a porta potty. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a very burning man thing now. That's how a real friendship was made. That's nice. beautiful. Very nice. That's beautiful. Someone just this morning was telling me a story about how they successfully took a shit on the playa <laughs> and then cleaned it up without a speck of moop in the dust. <laughs> yeah, I heard that story too. It was a good one. We all heard it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one will keep anonymous until after the show is over. Um, I would say selfless generosity, just like being at a sunrise set this morning. It was just crazy, like, you're just partying, and it's 9 a.m., and some guy comes with, like, cut-up sausage and just serves it to everyone. And then you see this other guy carrying this, like, giant, oversized umbrella, and you're like, oh, man, we're like, what's this guy up to? But it got so hot that, like, he just held it for people to come and take a break in the shade. So I just went up to him, and I was like, hey, I mean, I don't need sunscreen, really, but I was like, you know what, I'll hold it for you for a bit. And he was just so grateful that he's like, oh, you're like participating in my shade tent and you're willing to just help out on hold it for me as well. And uh, just like it just came from the heart, like, yo, this guy's providing with like no intentions. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. I I think uh, it's reminded me several times of uh, the whole like broken windows theory that's applied to kind of crime in the inner city, et cetera, that like if if there's a broken window, it creates kind of a negative context where uh, somebody's more likely to break another window or to commit a crime or to graffiti or whatever it is. And here it's sort of in reverse. It's almost like the all of the kind, like generous, awesome acts just get they're just contagious and they keep paying themselves forward. And uh, and people, you know, just want you see one thing like that and then you, you, you know, you want to follow it and, and do the same thing for somebody else. So that's pretty cool because I think we tend to center ourselves on like the negative. Uh, the ne- like how negative things are contagious all the time, but the positive is just as contagious. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, Kev. Uh, for the last several years, I've heard uh, about a theme camp called Is it Rumination Station? Ru- yummy ruminations, and this is a camp where you walk up to the to the booth and you uh, tell them a flavor that you would like to experience and. The experience, the the flavor is is not grape or strawberry. It, it, the the flavor is, uh, I think Sabrina had an experience where she asked for sisterhood, and they they made a special concoction to taste like sisterhood, and it was one of the most powerful experiences she had on the playa for a couple of years. And so I finally found the camp, and I went there, and uh, I asked for compassion, and it was a fantastic flavor. It set with me really nicely. Uh, fast forward to today, sitting on this very cushion right here, I'm I'm encouraging this other woman to go check out this this camp, and and she was asking me all about it, and ask why I ask for compassion, and we we had this mini therapy session, unpronounced, and she said, you know, it's it's hard to have compassion unless you love yourself, and if that's where it all starts. And it was, it was a very eye-opening experience because I think you actually hear things on the playa where you don't in the default world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why bringing it back full circle to what you guys are trying to accomplish here. Nice. Right on. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. We have another question uh, for, the, for the collective here uh, to ruminate on. 
And uh, that's, uh, what is the most impactful or memorable experience at Burning Man ever for you? For those veterans who've been coming several years or at least a couple of years, what's the most memorable experience you is may Phil have Phil here? I think he had a pretty memorable experience the other night. <laughs> He's not here, is he? <laughs> Well, Kevin, you've been coming here for about uh, 12, 12 years, years. Um, eight of which you attempted to convince me to come. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Ashley and I had the realization the other day that the more I like Burning Man, the more pissed off you are that it took oh, so about those eight years long for me to come <laughs> yeah. here. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I, I do feel pretty pissed off. <laughs> um, hey, thanks, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, what's your what's your most impactful moment ever? Have most you thought about that one? Most impactful moment ever at Burning Man. Hmm. D- you can take a second. I for I, I for me I, there there are so many that uh, jump to mind, but I think the most impactful moment was uh, a few months before Burning Man, uh, f- two years ago. Two years ago, uh, I decided that I wanted to propose to my girlfriend and i couldn't think of any other place in the world i would rather do it than here um so i think that that moment stands out in my mind is definitely the most incredible moment i've ever had here of, yeah you know uh, just taking a ride we you know she obviously didn't see it coming mm-hmm. and, uh, luckily said yes but uh we just took a ride out around the playa and I just you know looked for the right moment to kind of spring it on her um and it was just the coolest thing ever because it it's just a place that I've come to love so much, and uh, it's meant so much to me, uh, just in terms of personal growth. Um, and I just can't think of a more magical place to, to do something like that. Right on. And your wedding was one of the most Burning Man experiences <laughs> I've had. <laughs> For Not sure. at Burning Man. <laughs> nice. That was a great, great fucking party. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. It was. Yeah. Uh, for me, one of the most memorable Burning Man experiences was. Um, right before my first burn so i don't know if i can really call it a burning man experience but it's probably partially inspired by burning man um this is very joe by the way like one of the things joe is famous for is like when we've uh taken lsd together uh you know like 20 minutes after you take it it'd be like you, f- you feeling anything yet and he's like dude i was feeling it yesterday man <laughs> <laughs> i have alerts before i even take it I can, yeah. It's like I don't know if it's like the, uh, the it's like it, it makes me believe in homeopathy to some extent. I don't <laughs> truly believe in it, but like I think there are some molecules wafting through the air that like make it up my nose and start to trigger some things inside me. Um, but uh, but yeah. So before my first burn, um, we uh, maybe this was in preparation or just just for the hell of it. But we took some uh, mushrooms in the woods, and oh, yeah. after this mushroom trip, um, I ended up back home and just spontaneously doing some yoga. And I was in a um, a really deep backbend. And uh, by the way, Joe's like one of the most flexible dudes I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. So when he says a deep backbend, it was probably pretty fucking deep. <laughs> it was the shape of a C. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, but I just ra- randomly like it just in this moment I just remember like something clicked and in that moment I realized I just quit smoking like it was right at that moment and uh, and and I haven't smoked tobacco since so it was just like this mushroom inspired Burning Man inspired uh, you know random uh, experience so it was pretty memorable. The other thing I, that's a really recurring thing at Burning Man for me is uh, I end up crying a lot. How do, Does anybody out there, like, cry every fucking Burning Man? Okay, there's a lot of hands. Oh, nice. Um, oh, yeah. we're, we're recently uh, joined here by a lot more people. Yay! And a lot more hands in the air. <laughs> Our yeah, are here. this is great. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, does anybody th- – maybe this is a new question. By the way, I think all these people who just rolled in are just coming off like a – a trip themselves <laughs> so they may have uh, news to share with us yes yeah. bring us the news this is the good news <laughs> <laughs> does anybody have any great stories of crying at Burning Man let's well, bring it back down <laughs> um, my I wanna, so kind of answering both questions uh, my first burn it was I think Monday or Tuesday early in the week uh, and we found this art project called the Exchange Exhibition Bank, 
and the thing that drew us to it were these guys were dressed in really sharp looking suits uh their their hair was powdered white and they were wearing like white shirts with black ties and they looked like bankers which is a really odd thing to see out here uh and i could I, I could tell a very long version of the story but i'll try to keep it keep it as succinct as possible um but what i took from my experience there um i ended you, up by the way mention what you were doing at that time i think that's really important your job at the time etc oh well okay fair um so i had spent the about 10 years uh, doing consulting predominantly in finance technology and so what this project was asking of us was to help them collect information uh, and to uh, fill out this contract form that had three questions um, was there ever a time that you made money that you didn't totally feel great about uh, why did you do it and then the third question was how much money did you earn uh, and I never I never really felt conflicted about working in finance from a working for the man, you know, like uh, proliferating evil in society. And this was in 2011, so shortly after uh, a major financial crisis. For me, it was more, I was earning a pretty solid income, and I was pretty complacent about my responsibility with my personal finances. And so as I'm looking at this contract, uh, what's coming up for me and what I find myself writing is just this idea that I can be better about my relationship with money and I can be more intentional uh, and more conscious about it. Um, and I you know, filled out this thing and it's something that I had been thinking for years, but just the act of writing it down on this official looking piece of paper, handing it over to a stranger, and then I walked away from the booth and I immediately broke down crying, like heaving crying. and. Uh, and a really great part of this art project was they mailed me my contract back at my home about three months later. Uh, and in the wake of kind of the, the post-burn blues, I was reminded of uh, that experience. Um, and I made a, a really small shift in, in the way that I interacted with money, which was to just write down every time I spent money. And that was the, one of the early dominoes that led to, to me eventually leaving my old job and old career uh, and letting go of something that I, I felt like I was going to be pigeonholed in and stuck in for a long time. Um, I remember you, like, during that era, he, Brad would have, like, this spreadsheet on his phone <laughs> and he would keep track of, like, every cent he spent. And uh, I was hanging out with you one night and we were smoking a lot of weed. And uh, you looked at your phone and you were like... I don't remember what the number was, but you're like, I've spent $256 on weed this month. There was, there was like a, a year where I was spending an average of $13 a day on weed and an average of $11 a day on booze. Wow. Nice. <laughs> it was just cool to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Cried then and had an impactful moment. Nice. So, love to hear from you guys. Um, what comes to mind when you think of the most impactful experience you've had at Burning Man? Got a hand up over here. Can we uh, get the mic from the cushion? So I want to talk about, I think, two two impactful experiences, both both of which I cried during. Uh, one, the first one is uh, has to do with DJing. I think uh, a lot of... Were you uh, DJing or was someone else DJing? Uh, I was DJing. Oh, okay. Of course. <laughs> we, 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 I just we, want to know if I'd made you cry at some point in your life. The fifth time you played the ceremony, <laughs> in the same set, he was in tears. <laughs> no, no, I made myself cry. <laughs> no, um, but I, mean, I think all of you know that like music is kind of a big part of uh, what gets me excited about Burning Man, and then uh, and. Um, few I guess four years ago now I started to kind of learn to DJ and was, Brad actually was kind of the start of that to inspire me to learn and and uh, before that I had done you know other things musically I played guitar but there was qu quite a bit of time um, that had passed where I hadn't done anything musically um, and I, I don't think I realized at the time that it was something that was missing in my life and um, so when I when I had this opportunity to like kind of start learning to DJ and then basically prepare to like be a DJ at Dementa, uh, I was really excited and uh, you know I remember finally when we got to Burning Man that year the first it was a Wednesday 
and uh, I went on around like 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Uh, and I was DJing and it's like it was the first time I played in public and so the first time to play in public in front of like a Dementa party which is pretty fucking packed these days um, it's a shit your pants kind of moment huh? it's yeah and I just remember actually at one point like just hearing my name being chanted by all you lovely folks <laughs> just <laughs> like Bobby Bobby <laughs> And uh, I was, just, I was it's like, awesome because it's not even your name. <laughs> I know, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I just felt the love, and uh, I think I was reminded because before then, years ago, I had performed in like a cover band, and I really enjoyed playing live. And that w- this was like six years later is that I was playing live for people, and I was reminded of how much I love it, yeah. and. Uh, to just see all these people kind of chanting, chanting my name, like I was, I was moved to tears. Um, so cool. that was a very impactful moment for me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, very cool. Yeah. And then I guess yeah, briefly, like another moment that really brought me to tears was this was actually last year, and uh, we were just hanging out uh, until the sunrise, and the sunrise was really special that year because the way the clouds had formed in front of the sun, there would be. Um, uh, a cloud, a gap, another cloud, a gap, another cloud, and it was like four of these clouds. And so the first sunrise came up, and we were just, we were all, we we were cheering, and like it would come up, and we were just elated, and then it would go behind the another cloud, and and then a few minutes later it would come up again at the the next gap. And so it was like, it's like we experienced like five sunrises in one moment. Um, but I just remember seeing the sunrise and, and being with all, all, all these people here, like I was like heaving, crying. Uh, and it, it was a beautiful moment. And actually it's affected the way I look like, like I don't think in the past, you know, even in the default world, I would look at a sunrise and be like, yeah, I've seen a sunrise before. But after that, like even now, it's like every day I see a sunrise, I take a moment to just look at look at it and appreciate it i I think there's also something to be said for the the fact that like this this place can be very hard at times uh it's very hot out here you're living in 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 not uh, the best conditions sometimes and uh but i feel like there, there are so many moments during this week uh where you're just suddenly filled with extreme gratitude and you feel like one of the most privileged people on the earth just to be here and experience something so I can, yeah, I can totally understand that kind of moment. It's like your attention is squarely on management, something because management and libraries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a uh, Bobby brings up a great segue here to one of our other questions, which is, what have you brought back from Burning Man into the default world? Um, you know, maybe a new appreciation for nature, um, for yeah. friendship, for camaraderie, for management. <laughs> If, any, if anybody has something they wanted to share for most impactful and memorable, maybe these two questions can be something that, that people can share about now. So most impactful or uh, something that you brought uh, back. out to Mark. Mike to Mark. Mark, who shared a beautiful poem spoken in Swedish just a couple nights ago. Yeah. Oh, you might need to click it on. I thought he was just doing a... Uh, yeah. Chef from the Muppets impersonation. Yeah, so well so speaking of Sweden, um about a week and a half ago, uh Alicia and Kira, correct me if I'm wrong, but um they were flying to Sweden and on the same plane my daughter, who's sixteen, was flying to Sweden. She said for a year you know, year study abroad and I kinda think it's gonna be two and I think she's basically moved out. And that was you can't really like imagine how hard that is you know this this uh, little person that's been in your house for 16 years and she's really you know been this little baby and then she's walks through the gate like and she's gone and um so it was uh it meant a lot to me i as as she was taking off um and i was you know posted something on facebook and i saw that Kara and Alicia were on the same same flight. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So we've got, okay, when you guys land, you know, try and find each other. They didn't, but there's still a little <laughs> there's still a little dementia connection there. Yeah. Um, twenty four hours later I took my other daughter to Boston to go to school to college and um, and again it's one of these things you you spent 
hours every single day for 18 years with somebody and then you just know you're gonna maybe get a you know a, a day's worth of activity per year for the rest of your it's really really crushing um so uh that was really hard but then um monday night when we all went out you know we went out had a fantastic time came back we're sitting around by the fire and um you know everybody's laughing justin's telling great stories you guys you know everybody was having a really great community and i was kind of staring out here towards the you know the open playa and we're like hey let's go out and let's like let's you know keep going because it was about 3 30 or 4 in the morning and um and we went out and uh some point said hey you look thirsty you need some water i was like oh yeah thanks i'll take some water the water tasted kind of bitter i thought there's maybe something besides water in that water and in in fact there was and um at any rate so we had a second little adventure out there (laughs) Uh, and we were back at my warrior and i felt like i always feel like my skin is kind of like fur or like liquid but you know you're in love you so molly like makes you feel like you're in love and I wanted to channel that into something kind of constructive and not just some random person on the playa. And I channeled that into my daughters. So I had wow. them at two and four, like on my arms, like this. Oh, it's just bawling, streams of tears streaming down my face as the sun was rising. It was so good. Hmm. And it was just, um, uh, I, I think to, you know, to bring it back to what this podcast is about, that ability to connect with that grandeur or that like uh that big 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 picture of your whole life um is really hard with your you know un unadjusted mind and it was really good so anyway so thank you for the sunrise and you know for mayan warrior and for all that other stuff and just bringing us all together so anyway that was my that was my crying story that's a beautiful story (laughs) awesome thank you thanks mark anyone else back there do you want to make any LNT announcements while we're here? It's <laughs> <laughs> not really a crying story, but it was actually like the form of what you're asking. Um, for me, my second year, I was way more open at Burning Man, and I decided to go to, I don't know what it was called then, but now it's Foam Against the Machine. Nice. And I don't know, for me, like ever being nude in public was a huge no-no, just like the way I was brought up and my background. I'm Indian, we're a little conservative, and I'm just used to being sexualized all the time. Uh, especially as a female and so I decided to kind of push myself and that was a challenge I wanted to do so I just showed up by myself and I didn't know what to expect but as soon as I got there I've never like felt so respected in my life like I felt like everyone just had eye contact and I didn't feel sexualized at all Uh, but I was I was shocked just to see the like the human connection and like the respect for each other of like men and women being in the same room like not wearing clothes and not being sexual at all because i feel like every time i talk to someone about burning man outside of burning man they're like oh yeah orgies naked people and it's just like i don't think you get it like it's respectful and even like when they talk to you before you go into the shower they're it's all about consent and it's all about like hey you're human so are other people and just remember that so that was like i don't know it just gave me more confidence it was more liberating and i've kind of like kept that with me post playa of just to be comfortable with my body and myself and it's okay and uh yeah. nudity is not consent nice very nice how does work feel about you showing up nude it was awkward at first <laughs> when i sat on the chairs but with a towel it was fine very nice my job also involves dressing people so (laughs) it's very ironic (laughs) I might be out of business (laughs) anyone else my buddy my buddy from last night our big outing I'd follow you anywhere (laughs) even to the porta potties (laughs) Which, as it turns out, aren't that necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, um, so my first burn was in 2008, and I came with my now husband. And I was raised by a 7th and 8th grade teacher who, it was very black and white, like drugs, 
bad. And I never, like, I think that I really integrated that and I drank a lot, but I didn't smoke pot. Um, and it wasn't until I was like in my 20s that I did cocaine. And cocaine is like so bad for somebody who's already type A. And, but I, but I knew I was being bad when I was doing it. Like there was something that was like really negative about it. Like I, like I sort of knew that I was breaking the rules. And so in 2008 when we came out, um, I remember seeing a lot of people really high, but also having like a really amazing experience. And I remember being like, I've never seen this before. And so then, um, as I kept coming, um, and just being around people who were more informed about chemicals and what kind of experiences you could have and all of that, I started being a little more exploratory. And I think that the thing that's so fantastic about Burning Man now is that it's um, inspirational to see people who are truly looking for deeper introspect. Um, I spent a lot of years in a, a fairly regimented meditation practice, and it has that same vibe of people who are like committed to exploring themselves and exploring um, their connection with humanity. And I think that Burning Man really allowed me a place where I wasn't who I was in default to set aside all of those other um, limitations and be more open. And this year I'm being more ambitious. <laughs> so I've never I've never stayed up until sunrise ever at any Burning Man before this year and I've done it twice this year and it's such an yeah. incredible experience. Yeah. <laughs> and Ooh. it's like, oh yeah, I can like it's not bad. Like there's still this thing that's like, oh, drugs are bad, drugs are bad. And it's amazing to be around so many people who are responsible and committed to personal growth and using drugs as an avenue. Um, so I love that about Burning Man. I love, I love the dedication that people have to both their art and their, and their expression of themselves. So it's radical, wouldn't you say? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if uh, anyone else has had this experience, but I feel like uh, the first few years, for the month or two months afterwards, I would. Uh, it, it would sort of be really easy to just talk to random people in the street um, just because that's what you do here and just like anyone who makes eye contact with you immediately has a conversation with you and there's nothing awkward about it um, and I would find that that effect would last longer and longer each year um, which is so unlike you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright fair point <laughs> when I started coming in 2006 there wasn't really uh, Google or I, I can't remember but I had no idea what to expect and I still have no idea what to expect <laughs> um, but people or I, at least I asked myself why do I come and I guess it changes all the time at first you come for the big shiny stuff and the really you know the Dr. Bomber's camp or that secret sushi camp run by a Michelin star chef but I think now I, I just come because it's uh, where I'm really accepted to be myself and easy to be myself and I need that <coughs> that's kind of all I guess <laughs> but yeah I just you guys make it easy and by you guys I mean all you guys so uh, that's why I come, for the conversations and to get outside of the comfort zone. Thank you. Yeah, it does, uh, it, it, it does feel real, it feels really good to be you for this whole week, right? I think that's something I always come back with too. It's like you, I think you can kind of beat yourself up for the rest of the year about a lot of different things and then you can come here this week and, 
at the end of the week feel like, uh, oh yeah, being me is not such a bad thing. Yeah, and there, there's a term sometimes used uh, that Burning Man can be a temporary, um, what is it, temporary anonymous zone? Or autonomous. Zone. Autonomous. <laughs> uh, anonymous also. <laughs> one of those two things. Um, but the idea of apply name and the idea of you know, having a, a, a persona here that you don't feel comfortable having in the default world. Um, you know, I've had the, the, the privilege of bringing some of my closest friends here and seeing them have transformative experiences and come back and some more than others, you know, bring that back to, to their life um, in their daily life and to see them just be themselves. Uh, and it's the just fucking coolest thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, in, in, in that way, I think it, it, that's what makes it an entheogen. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a very kind of mind-expanding and transformative experience that, that we all share here. With or without substances, it's really about the community. It's, it's really better about the with, though. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. Time and place. Time and place. By the way, we're referring to things that have happened in the past. Yep. <laughs> right? Like that's just to, for the record. For the record, we're referring to things that happened in the past. <laughs> yes. Past performance. <laughs> that's is that's not something we learned from Rick Doblin a couple yep. of years ago, right? Like, you know, <laughs> just when you're referring to those things, they all happened before. Yeah. You know? Indeed. To respond to a couple of the questions, a moment I cried this, this Burning Man was uh, on Tuesday. The, basically during the day after Acid Monday when you've gotten barely any sleep and I find myself biking to the playa just to see some art and there's a sound car playing like disco and R&B and soul music which you seldom hear on the playa and I was just I had to stop and dance and they were giving out ice cream how, how out of character <laughs> but oh, it was beautiful, and we were just out in the sun, dancing. They're they're passing around ice cream, and I kept trying to leave, and I couldn't because the song would just draw me back in. And at one point, Fleetwood Mac's "Dreams" came on, which is a very uh, important song for this camp in terms of it is usually a milestone marking the culmination, and. Uh, it yeah, came I've, on I've been giving shit about that song for several <laughs> years, but uh, I feel like it's it's an institution. Can we still give me shit for Sarah McLaughlin? Uh, yeah, yeah permission, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> but the song came on, and I found myself crying listening to the song while I was dancing because I was thinking, we usually play this at the end of the week, and I'm hearing it now, and I still have a week with these amazing people. And something you recognize from Burning Man is the sense of what's possible. So taking that, when I first experienced it, experienced it and then going back to where I lived, realizing there's so many opportunities for creativity and connection in all aspects of your day. Like from your personal style to decorating your home to greeting the person who takes your order at the register. There's like so many ways you can connect with people and it's just a matter of being affirmative in that initiative and it's just, that's such a beautiful the idea that life can be so great and we're entirely capable of making it that way like it's within our grasp yeah. that's it's just a life-affirming type of thing the, the other day we were talking about uh sort of the, the kind of the frame a conversation exists in um we were talking about this in the context of someone having a difficult uh, experience on a psychedelic and just basically about how you as the person assisting can kind of superimpose uh, or impose I mean your frame upon that that person to create a space where they feel a lot better um, and just going off what you said I think that's something you realize you can do in the normal world too is like there's kind of like a generally accepted frame of conversations and it, with just a little bit of affirmation as you said you can kind of Im impose the burning man frame upon people and uh, make life a lot more fun Well, first, I just want to say thank you to you all. I'm so glad to be here with you, like we are all, for sure. But I'm, I'm delighted about you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm so, so, so happy to see you each year that I come here. 
and it's time I see how do you react with people like me that they can explain themselves as they wanted. So, so difficult. I mean, I would like to get involved more and more and more with you. I try, and what is the magic is that with your energy, it's so easy, so easy. And I, I really, I really love how you guys, you, you just take care of everyone with all the limits that we can have. And this is, this is really lovely. I thank you, you all, and I love you very, very much. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Jorge, who just spoke, is from Spain, and I think it's been one of the coolest things over the last uh, probably seven or eight years is that the camp has gotten very international. Um, so it's just another extra element to the to the whole thing is uh, yeah. the, the international experience. In uh, 2011, uh, among the things that blew my mind about the experience here is there were there were 30 people in the camp that year who came in from 11 different countries, and I just had to tally it up at one point in the week. Um, and it's just incredible that this organic group of friends of friends is such a global tribe, like a global global family. Um, yeah. And it's it's super impressive to me to, to travel all that way, you know, to come from Spain, to come from Europe, the sacrifice and the money and the time and everything that it takes. Um, it's remarkable. It's always great to have you. Uh, cool. So I want to share an experience that's been, that's been really meaningful for me. Um, so. I've always struggled with overanalyzing interactions that I've had with people and really catching myself um, basically thinking like, oh my God, did I, did I fuck up that relationship that I have because I made a bad joke or because I said something stupid or, um, and it would actually prevent me from deepening a lot of relationships because I would kind of write them off. So like I'd have an interaction at a party and I don't know, I'd say something that I would think is silly and I'd spend so much time thinking that person thinks I'm silly and therefore I shouldn't invest in the relationship more. And then I met the douche marshal. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that don't know the douche marshal, he is... It's all um, in the name, really. <laughs> he, he truly is an asshole. <laughs> and he's also one of the most caring people and generous people and um, I, I think even reliable people that, that I know and I've only known him for a few years and even though I've only known him for a few years I know that if I'm ever like in trouble in his part of the world that he could be a person that I could I could call and he would come and he would really help me out um, and interacting with him has really taught me that you could have those moments or you're just a fucking asshole and as long as your true self is someone that you know that the other person's gonna want to interact with and like holistically you're a good person and you're yeah. enjoyable to be around then those small interactions don't really impact the relationship they just make for a pretty good story yeah great <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first year here I just knew Kevin and also like my English by in that year was okay was decent but you know but to deal and communicate here with all the noise and music and jokes and things it was quite hard. And I, it's also worth mentioning that if you're not a native English speaker, there are probably 14 different English accents in this camp. So that's quite complicated. And then there's Luke who <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> may or may not speak, be speaking English at all. <laughs> So, yeah, because of the language, and also I knew nobody here. Like, well, I had some kind of struggles, like my first year I had to wait to go through. Um, then, on the night of the burn, like Saturday night, I remember we were waiting there to demand to be burned. And, you know, the fireworks start, and then, like, some explosion sets the mine in fire finally. And I remember perfectly at that moment how a lot of emotions that f flourished just mm -hmm. bloomed in the, in the group we were. And we were like holding each other. Suddenly we were like holding like a big circle. Like we were all the members of the camp. And for me it was like this, all this current of emotion was completely, completely unexpected. And it was really an impact to me. You know how, uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain also. 
And I remember I was right after, like Jasper, Diana, and me. Like we ran to the man and we surrounded it, running, holding hands, like surrounding it, and then came back. Like and I experienced it like a very high happiness in that moment. And that was with people I just met five days after, before. You know? And for me, like it was incredible how you can do meaningful uh, friendships in, in such a sort of time. And I think it, this is also uh, something very Barneyman, right? Yeah. And you can make, you can do very easily, at least easier than in the fall world, like deep connections and meaningful connections. Um, yeah. yeah I, th I think a testament to that would be the fact that a lot of us have spent a lot of summers together here and some of us don't even know what the other people's job is for example like that's not a, a conversation you have with everybody it's not um as standard as it would be in the, in the normal yeah. world yeah it's something i've appreciated this year I've, i found myself appreciating is i was um as our camp kind of grew in size um i was kind of vocal about it not growing too large in size um and, you know it was 30 people my first year and we're at about 60 mid 60s this year and my my reluctance to I certainly I can't imagine being in a camp of 300 people I don't know know what's that like what that is like um, but my reluctance about even being 60 70 people is in one week it's impossible to have a meaningful interaction with all the people that we're camping with um, but this this particular year I've appreciated time that I've spent with people whom I've camped with for three, four years now, um, and and still having the opportunity to get to know and, and learn things about them um, and, and appreciate them in ways that I, I couldn't have in years past because there's just not enough time in the week. Um, so it's been, it's been great to, to get to know the people whom I've known for years, um, who it still feels like you know, getting to know. Interestingly enough, you were the greatest beneficiary of that camp expansion, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so yes. One of many examples in my life of how I do not, absolutely do not know what's best for me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was in 2013 when I guess our camp number was low and Tom suggested that we bring in a group of about 12, 13 people from San Francisco who he thought the world of, um, thought would be a great addition to the camp. And I was the first person to say, I don't know, like they're gonna, it's gonna get clicky, there's gonna be factions within the camp. And uh, the douche marshal himself uh, was the one who chimed in and said, you know, you know, think of radical inclusion. You know, it was our first year too, just a couple years before. The douche marshal made you feel like the douche? He did indeed. <laughs> um, and of course, it's amongst those group of 13 friends from San Francisco who I'm now engaged to. So thanks, Ow. Tom. <laughs> it's a plural marriage. <laughs> Very nice. That was great, guys. Thank you so, so much for sharing. This was a lot of fun. You know, we, uh, you know, always enjoy doing the show and, and getting a chance to talk to each other, but it was incredible to hear from so many other people yeah. about the the same questions and how different those answers can be for different people and um yeah just thank you thank you yeah and i, I think when we were talking before about the things that you take back from bernie man or the opportunities it's given you uh, this show is one of those things it's like it just popped up as a random idea but because we were here i think it it had more impact and we decided to follow through on it uh, and it's been one of the most fun things I've ever done. Yeah. So it's been uh, full three years now. Yeah, four. So four burns ago. Yeah, yeah. So three. So three years. Three yeah. years. Yeah, three natural years. Math. <laughs> tough, There's man. a camp for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and I think um, when we were talking about what we want to bring back to the rest of the world, I think our idea with the show was there are a lot of information sources you can go to to get strict information but I think what we felt was lacking was just having a conversation um, and and, uh, and sort of just kind of getting the normal conversation out there and hoping that, that the conversation is contagious in and of itself um, so yeah it's been a lot of fun guys yeah, really yeah. Nice. let's keep doing it
Yeah, yeah let's keep doing it. A little more often, maybe, this next season. Yeah. <laughs> I, coincidentally enough, the show has gotten a lot more popular since we stopped doing it. We're going to keep giving the people what they want, which is yeah. no shows. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you guys all for uh, showing up here tonight and giving us an evening of your Burning Man experience. It's uh, really an honor to have this many people show up for this first live recording of Entheogen at Burning Man. And... Uh, yeah, thanks so much. And you guys are an amazing camp. Thank you to the general for uh, inspiring this entire thing, this entire camp, and continuing to run it with uh, such um, such a gentle. Such authority. an iron fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That was Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again.